everybody, welcome to episode 196 of DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be giving out an early week look at the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, take a look at the four-game DraftKings main slate as well as the betting market. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open and available. The link to join that is in the description to the podcast. Joey, we actually have a really interesting slate of games here hopefully it produces some better football than what we saw last week yeah i think this slate is going to be a very good slate the games in the wild card round were pretty boring pretty you know uneventful especially in fantasy there weren't many players who like popped off last week but this slate this four game slate on DraftKings, shout out to them for making that the main slate instead of doing uh two separate two game slates yeah um, it, it looks really good and it looks like there are some egregiously mispriced players once again to say the least honestly i i don't know what they're doing over at DraftKings, but we'll get into all of that and we are going to go game by game in this podcast through all four games we will start with the first game of the week on saturday 4 30 eastern we have the cincinnati Bengals traveling to the one seed Tennessee Titans. The Titans are favored by three and a half points. This has the lowest total on the slate over under currently at 47. What are your initial thoughts on this game? Yeah, my initial thoughts are that this is a game where I could see either team winning. The Titans are currently three and a half point favorites, which is up from the two and a half opening line. So some of the money has been coming in on Tennessee spread. And they're getting the backing of the public right now in terms of the betting market. But I also think this Bengals team could be a little undervalued in this spot, especially going up against one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL over the last, you know, four to six weeks of the NFL season. And we know what Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd can do. You know, I'm pretty undecided right now. I do think that the Titans have a very good shot of winning this game, but I would not be surprised to see the Bengals move on to the AFC Championship game in this spot. But from a fantasy perspective, it's looking like some of the players in this game are priced up a little bit on the four-game slate, so I don't really know if they're going to project that great, but it should make for a nice contrarian game piece to target on DraftKings this week. Yeah, just like from an overarching perspective of the four-game slate, DraftKings seems to have made a concerted effort to price down a lot of the players in the Bills-Chiefs game relative to the other games. I'm not sure what the, you know, the thought process behind that was, but it makes it difficult, (laughs) I think, to justify, you know, playing Joe Burrow at 6,600 when Josh Allen is only a thousand more or Mahomes is only... 700 more you know it's it's hard um i think to go there but we do know the ceiling is there especially against this tennessee secondary that's extremely beatable i think that's going to be the biggest problem for this titans team jamar chase 7100 t higgins 5700 both in plays both have massive ceilings yep i definitely agree that both of those guys are in play especially t higgins at 5700 it's kind of similar to last week where the price discrepancy between T Higgins and Jamar Chase doesn't make sense when you look at their you know target market shares uh, over the last 
for to six weeks of the NFL season, right? When you're getting a $1,400 price differential between Higgins and Chase, you know, the clear play, in my opinion, is going to be T. Higgins, especially uh, in cash. Mm -hmm. For tournaments, obviously, Jamar Chase has a very high ceiling, but when you're looking at the slate from a general perspective, you have Debo Samuel, who's $500 more and is going to project better. Then you also have Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and A.J. Brown, all cheaper than Jamar Chase. I don't know what the hell DraftKings is doing. I, I think it's going to be hard to play Jamar Chase with those guys there, but he is going to be the contrarian option for this four-game slate. So I definitely like him in tournaments, but just from a projection standpoint, you're you're going to be sacrificing quite a bit of value if you play Chase over you know, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, etc. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't see how you could justify going there from a value perspective. It would be strictly to pay up to be contrarian, I think, and, and tied to Joe Burrow stuff. But the X factor of this slate, I think, in this game especially, is the return of Derrick Henry at 7,500. Highest price running back on the slate, rightfully so. He has the highest ceiling, arguably, of any player on this slate. What are your thoughts on playing Derrick Henry after a long hiatus? Yeah, I think the price tag is pretty cheap for a player that we know is going to see 20-plus touches, assuming He's good to go and fully healthy. We'll have to wait on reports about Derrick Henry and you know where his health is at and his usage potentially. But as it stands right now, 7,500, he has a ceiling of 40 plus. We already know that. We've seen it multiple times this season alone. So I think he's probably going to be one of the better running back plays uh, just in terms of price and projection. He's not going to be the best. So I don't know if he's going to get owned a bunch, but he's definitely a good tournament piece, in my opinion. You know, has the ability to separate massively from the rest of the running back pool. And it's a cheap price tag, frankly, for a freak of nature on a team that wants to run their offense through Derrick Henry. Yeah, and I mean, there's already videos surfacing from practice where he's like trucking defenders on his, on his own <laughs> team. Like, like I'm, I'm hyped for this Derrick Henry return, especially if we get him an ownership discount. As far as the Titans passing game, do you have any interest there? We have Ryan Tannehill priced at 5,800, sort of a contrarian pay down option. AJ Brown, 6,200 and Julio sub 5k. Any interest in the Titans passing attack? Yeah, I'm not too interested in Ryan Tannehill. I think that Ryan Tannehill's upside is just so low. He's 5,800, you know, he's 400 less than Stafford right? He's 800 less than Joe Burrow and a thousand less than Tom Brady. If you're playing Ryan Tannehill over those three guys at cost, I think you're just making a mistake, especially in tournaments. The ceiling just isn't there in my opinion, although the projections might disagree in this spot, especially if Derrick Henry is limited a little bit, we could see an uptick in Ryan Tannehill's pass attempts, which obviously would be a boost for him, but I'm not sure if we will. And then in terms of the Titans wide receivers, I mean, AJ Brown at 6200 that looks like a fantastic price in my opinion julio jones is what 4700 he's dirt cheap i definitely could see playing one of these guys 
as part of mini stacks with T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, who we didn't mention, who I think is also a pretty good play. He's 6,600. So yeah, I definitely love these Titans receivers for sure. A.J. Brown is the one that stands out to me though. 6,200. Uh, we know that he has 35 plus point upside. You know, we've seen it multiple times when he's been healthy this year. And in the passing game, the offense is going to run through A.J. Brown. Yep, I would definitely have more interest in Brown here. You know, Joe Mixon to me is looking like, I think I think I want to fade Joe Mixon in this spot. I mean, Tennessee's defense, especially against the run, has been stout all year. They're actually second in the league in rush yards allowed per game behind Tampa Bay as, as the leading run defense in the league. You know, they're well-rested coming off of the bye. Mm-hmm. And the price tag is just, it's expensive when you look at some of the other running backs on the slate when you can get similar workloads out of Devin Singletary, Eli Mitchell, etc. for cheaper. I think if I'm paying above that 6K range where those guys are priced, it would most likely be to get to Derrick Henry. Yeah, I probably agree with that take for sure. Tennessee's rush defense over the last month of the season has been the best in the NFL. And like you said, they've been the second best over the entire season. Uh, Over the last month, they've only given up 57 yards on the ground per game, 19 DraftKings points per game, which is, you know, top five in the league. So I definitely think Joe Mixon would be the fade. Although, you know, the touch projection is extremely high with Mixon, I think the floor is extremely high as well. You You know, only three games this year with under 10 DraftKings points. So if you can lock in 10 plus points, with Joe Mixon with an upside of, you know, 35 to 40. I think he's a solid play, but it definitely is a tough matchup on the road as an underdog up against one of the best run defenses in the NFL. I could definitely see getting away from Joe Mixon for sure. And I definitely really only have interest in the in the pass catchers for the Bengals. Uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins would be it for me. All right. The Saturday night game, 8-15 p.m. Eastern San Francisco traveling to the one seed Green Bay Packers. This has the widest spread on the slate. Packers favored by six over under 47 and a half. And the story right now is Jimmy G's health and whether or not he's going to be good to go. It looks like he practiced on Tuesday. So my current lean is that Jimmy G plays. We won't be getting Trey Lance in the divisional round. What are your initial thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think this game could be the lowest scoring of the entire slate. Currently, like you said, it has a 47 and a half total, which is the second lowest out of the four games. And the Niners have a 20.75 team total, which is the lowest on the slate. You know, I don't think I'm too interested in game stacking this game for tournaments some of the prices on the Niners guys and the Packers guys look somewhat decent but this game doesn't like really stand out to me from a projection standpoint and it doesn't stand out to me from an overall you know ceiling scoring environment standpoint I think this could be the slowest pace game on the slate with two teams that are going to want to try and establish the run, take the air out of the ball, control the clock, and, you know, hopefully come out with a dub. So if there's one game I'm fading this week on DraftKings, it's this game. I I, I agree wholeheartedly. I don't think that you full-on game stack this game. I just don't see really any scenario where this game is the game-winning stack. Right. I I think all three other games have a better chance at becoming that. I like the under in this game. I I, I don't know if I would bet it. 
I have already bet San Francisco plus six just because, I mean, six points is a lot in the playoffs. I mean, San Francisco played really well last week. From a DraftKings perspective, I will say, I mean, Devontae Adams always has a chance to be the highest scoring player on any given slate. 8,500 is a lot to pay up for, especially with the value on guys we've mentioned like Evans, Hill, and Diggs, who are all sub 7K. But I mean, I think that the price of those guys could make Devontae Adams a contrarian play priced at 8500 Yeah, Devontae Adams is definitely going to be contrarian with those guys that you mentioned. And then also, Cooper Cup is $100 more, and obviously he's going to project better in you know a better game environment going up against the Bucks. Devontae Adams is definitely the contrarian guy that you want to play, especially in large field tournaments, has the same ceiling as any of these other wide receivers. And we know that Rodgers is going to look in Adams' direction, you know, 10, 12 times in this game, and he gets a lot of red zone usage as well. So Adams is a great play. In terms of the ancillary Packers receivers, I'm not too interested in like MVS or Lazard. I mean, Lazard at 4,400 could be a, a nice value piece and he ended the season on a, on a high note scored 13 plus DraftKings points in street in three straight games and scored 19 plus in three out of his last five and Rodgers has looked to Alan Lazard recently so he could be a nice value spot I'm kind of not interested at all uh, I think really the only players in play for the Packer side of the ball is Adams and Lazard and I'll probably fade Aaron Jones Dylan MVS Deguara, etc. I, I I agree with that, honestly. I mean, I am interested in some of the 49ers guys. It looks like Jair Alexander will be back. Not that I think it really matters too much for Debo Samuel, who is quite literally one of the most, if not the most electric player in the NFL right now. Elijah Mitchell stands out to me, though, from a DraftKings perspective. Just at the price tag, you're getting a lot of guaranteed work at 5800 for Mitchell. I know that we're talking about a road dog with a limited amount of you know, receiving upside, but still, this is a guy who's gotten 20 plus touches in uh, all six of the last times he's played. You're getting a lot of guaranteed touches sub 6k. Yeah, obviously, Mitchell is going to project well from a touch standpoint as Kyle Shanahan really only uses Mitchell, but as six point underdogs, it's going to be interesting to see if they run Mitchell if the Niners get down uh, in the passing game or if they put in Hasty to play the pass down role, which I think is definitely possible. So there is a lot of scenarios where Eli Mitchell doesn't hit his ceiling in this game. You know, tough place to play Lambo in the winter, cold, Niners, banged up, Jimmy G. So I don't think he's a total smash, but he's definitely a nice tournament play. But I think I would prefer, you know, the Bucks guys and, and Leonard Fournette. And if Fournette can't go... You have like Gio Bernard, who's cheap. I think I would prefer just trying to get up to Derrick Henry in this spot and just pretty much fade the running backs in this game, to be honest. I could definitely see that. I think you probably lock and load Mitchell if you're playing cash and definitely justify the fade sort of in the way that you said. Any interest in, you know, Debo 7,600 or, or Brandon Ayuk at 52? Yeah, I mean, you definitely got to have interest in Debo. He's been one of the best fantasy receivers this entire year. You know, he's probably going to touch the ball 10 plus times, whether that's through the air or on the ground. And his touchdown upside 
is extremely high. So Debo is a great play. He's going to be pretty good leverage off of Cup, Adams, and then the tier of Diggs, Hill, and Mike Evans. So I don't mind Debo. In terms of Brandon Ayuk, I think Ayuk is a baller. I think he's actually a really good wide receiver and has a lot of potential. But just in this offense, the ceiling is so low, especially when they're going to hand the ball off 35 times if they get their way. Just the the target upside, I don't think, is is really there for Ayuk. I think he'll probably see five to six targets, and that's going to be hard for him to reach his ceiling, in my opinion. And it is an okay matchup. Uh, 5,200, I guess he would be the pay down option, but like OBJ is 100 more. T. Higgins is 500 more. A.J. Brown is 1,000 more than Ayuk. I, I think I'd rather just get up to those guys instead. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It's sort of the same with Debo. I think he's just priced around plays I like more Ayuk same thing George Kittle though it's hard to go there because it's been so long since we've seen the ceiling but his price has fallen quite a bit he's 1200 less than Travis Kelsey he's the third highest priced tight end on this slate at 5300 there's a lot of ceiling with George Kittle especially if the 49ers get down the way that the line projects yeah George Kittle looks like a crazy value to me at least 5300 is just extremely cheap for one of the best tight ends in the NFL and obviously we know he has that 35 plus point ceiling in the right game scripts obviously he's competing with a lot of players for touches in Debo Mitchell Ayuk god they're even using like Jawan Jennings quite a bit now so I think it's pretty thin uh you could definitely go there I don't know if I would have much exposure to George Kittle because honestly I prefer Gronk and Dawson Knox to George Kittle at cost but he'll definitely be a good low-owned tournament option. I think he's fine, but like I said, I prefer some of the other guys around him. Yeah, he's he's going to be one of my favorite plays in tournaments, I think. Just because, I, I mean, I'm expecting a pretty significant ownership discount off of some of the other players at the tight end position. Let's move on to Sunday, man. And I mean, these games chronologically are, are all, you know, getting better and better from a total perspective. And I think just from sort of an NFL perspective, I mean, this game, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern, Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, Rams traveling to Tampa. The Bucks are three-point favorites. Over-under is at 48. And I can see this game absolutely shooting out. Yeah, I think the over on the 48 and a half looks like a really solid bet. Um, yep. 91% of the bets right now are on the over, uh, but the line has moved down. So maybe the quote-unquote sharps are on the under in this game. But these are two high-powered offenses that I think are going to be able to move the ball at will against one another. The Rams are kind of depleted in the back end of their secondary right now, and and the Bucks we know, are a pass funnel. So I like the over. Uh, I think I would take the Rams with the points in this spot if I had to pick a spread yep. at plus three. You can get minus 115 on that on DK, which is looking like the best odds right now. But we'll have to wait and see where the line ends up at. I think we could see some more money come on the Rams as the week goes on. But it uh, it is, honestly, as a Patriots fan, it is hard for me to bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs at home. And, he, and he's getting Leonard Fournette back this week, like 100%. I don't know if you saw Leonard, Leonard Fournette's post, but he yeah. posted some shit like, I'm back or some shit, or like, <laughs> well, I'll see you Sunday or something like that. Yeah, all caps, no cap, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, so so do you, I've, I've heard some speculation that 
people think Geo being back reduces Leonard Fournette's role. I don't believe that at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> when Fournette was healthy and when Geo was healthy, Fournette was still getting a lot of work in the receiving game. Like, Geo might come in, you know, for a couple third downs, but Fournette is going to be the workhorse. And he's 5,700 from a matchup perspective you know it's not great the Rams have been pretty solid in terms of the run defense department they've only given up 75 rushing yards per game over the last month of the season and have only given up 16.25 DraftKings points per game to opposing running backs which is second best in that time span only to the 49ers so it is a difficult matchup for Leonard Fournette but 5700 like he's going to project extremely well and we know that he's going to be utilized as a workhorse like the Bucks just need their playmakers out on the field with Godwin and AB not there right so we know the ball is going to go to Gronk Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette a fuck ton in this game so I love all three of those guys yeah you phrased that perfectly I mean just with the lack of of Godwin and AB now they they have to depend on Fournette and projections have Fournette as you know the best value on the slate I could definitely see getting away from him in tournaments if he's massively owned compared to some of these other guys in the range just because of the matchup stuff you referenced but it's a scary fade he should be heavily involved as a pass catcher not worried at all about Geo You know, we're talking Mm -hmm. about home favorites on one of the best offenses in the league. On the other side of the ball, Cooper Cup, obviously great play. Nothing really needs to be said. He is 8,600, so it's expensive, but worth it, I think, to get access to that ceiling. How do you feel about some of the ancillary Rams receivers, though? You know, Odell Beckham priced at 5,300, Van Jefferson with a massive price decrease all the way down at 4200 That's a little bit interesting, I think. Yeah, these, these cheap Rams guys are definitely interesting. Van got a significant price decrease, but definitely warranted. I've lost quite a bit of money on Van Jefferson this season in, in trying to uh, get that ceiling game out of him. But Matt Stafford, I don't know. I, f- I feel like obviously Cooper Cup is the number one guy and OBJ, I think, is solidified as the number two guy in that offense. And the Rams have trended more run heavy, which we did talk about a couple weeks ago, I think on one of the main slate podcasts. So the Rams passing attack hasn't been as profitable as it was early in the season. So I don't want to go all in on the Rams, but you're getting a good price on Stafford at 6,200. You're getting a pretty good price on Cup at 8,600. And I think you're getting solid prices on OBJ and Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby. So, I mean, I'm definitely going to have Ram stacks. It isn't my favorite stack of the week just because I think the way the, the, way the Rams want to play now is they kind of want to at least be split in terms of like pass attempts and, and rush attempts, I think. So I have interest in the Rams guys, but I think there are better spots to target on this slate is is how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I could see a scenario where the Rams do go pass happy in this specific game. Obviously, a lot of teams have done that against the Bucks throughout the season. Their run defense is extremely tough. They are susceptible to the pass. OBJ, I think, is one of my favorite plays on the slate. The Rams offense has just looked 
better, especially the past game, as OBJ gets more and more involved. And like you said, he is solidified at this point as the clear-cut number two. It's added a new dynamic to the team. I like that. And and speaking of new dynamics to this Rams team, Cam Akers, in only his second game back, handled 52% of the running back carries, sort of overtook Sony. It's still a split, but they clearly want to get Cam Akers involved. He looks really good, I think, uh, especially considering the circumstances. You know, RIP the 20% of him that I had in best ball, I was totally <laughs> going to be right about that. But alas, here we are, Cam Akers. Do you have any interest there? He's pretty affordable on this slate. I'm not too interested, like you said. Tough matchup. If Sean McVay is sharp, and you know, I think we'd like to think that he is a pretty sharp coach, the Rams will trend more pass heavy, which is a pretty solid point that I really hadn't thought through. So maybe I might have some more interest in the Rams guys. But like you said, he's splitting with Sony Michelle. I do think Cam Akers is obviously the preferred back. Like Sony Michelle was just a late preseason addition for the Rams. They needed somebody to come in that has shown that they can be reliable throughout their career, especially with fragile ass Daryl Henderson, who is still on IR. So they just needed him to come in and he played okay. I think, I don't think he was great. You know, he only had one game with over a hundred yards and he's been trending more downwards as the season has gone on but then again it's going to be hard to play cam Akers just with the threat of sony michelle still there and i i think they're pretty much in you know a, a 60 40 split at this point mm-hmm. um but cam Akers' usage is definitely increasing as the, as the weeks go on and as he's getting through these games unscathed so that's good to see crazy to to see him playing football after tearing his achilles in july or whatever but i don't think you can go there this week on DraftKings. Agreed. We didn't really talk too much about Mike Evans. It's a good price tag at 6,800. Again, man, I don't know what DraftKings was doing, but the way that they priced some of these other receivers with Diggs and Tyreek Hill both priced lower, I think it's hard to go to Mike Evans in a matchup with Jalen Ramsey. It's a tough fade. Evans obviously has a really high ceiling, especially at that price tag, but I don't know. I, I think I prefer some of the other wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, Mike Evans isn't going to project as well as AJ Brown, Diggs, Tyreek Hill, obviously, but you know, not concerned about potential matchup with Ramsey. Ramsey doesn't shadow anybody anymore in that Rams defense. Uh, and, and we know that Tom Brady is going to look to the guys that he trusts and the three guys on the offense that he trusts are Mike Evans, Gronk, and Leonard Fournette. So Mike Evans is going to see nine, 10, 11 targets in this game. And You know, earlier in the season, week three, these two teams faced Mike Evans had eight for 106 against the Rams. Obviously, that's not indicative of what he's going to do, but it just shows that he's going to get targets. He's done it before on the same team, and I think he is a phenomenal play this week. So definitely going to be playing a ton of these Brady stacks. I think Brady is actually pretty cheap, 6,800, and we know the ceiling that Brady has. Obviously, playing Brady over Mahomes and Josh Allen in that game, which we'll talk about shortly, is probably suboptimal. But, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe there are some ways that that uh, late night game fails, but probably not. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't think so. Um, But Evans and and Gronk are still top tier plays this week. And I'm definitely going to have exposure to both. I agree. I mean, in terms of pay down options, I, I do have a little bit of interest in Stafford. I think that you're getting enough of a discount off of Stafford that if they do go super 
pass happy that he could pay off at 6,200. Brady, to me, it's just too close to Mahomes and Allen, who are obviously the premier plays. Do you have any interest in going with Stafford here? Yeah, I mean, Stafford's price tag is extremely cheap. 6,200. Like I said earlier, I would rather play Stafford over Burrow mm-hmm. um, and, and Tannehill and obviously Jimmy G. So he's okay, I think. And, you, you know, the upside is there. He does have 30 plus point upside. It's just a matter of how much are the Rams going to throw the ball. And if we're looking at his game logs, he did have one of his highest pass attempt games of the entire season in that week three game against Tampa Bay and had his best DraftKings points game of the season with 32.5. He threw four touchdowns, 300 plus yards. Um, so maybe we could see a re- a repeat performance, which is definitely in the range of outcomes. Uh, so I definitely have interest in Stafford and Brady this week, for sure. Lastly, the tight end position in this game. It's interesting. I mean, I think Gronk is obviously a high ceiling play, 5,800. It's a little bit close to Travis Kelsey's price for me, but Tyler Higby, I think, is probably the cash game option priced down at 4K. I mean, maybe you go Kelsey and cash. I haven't built any lineups yet, so I don't know exactly what fits and what doesn't. Higby seems like a pretty good value at 4K to me. Yeah, Higby's fine. Um, Obviously, in cash, you're probably going to look to pay down a majority of the time, and Higby's going to get you like eight plus points. So I I think you can... Just lock him in and be fine. Obviously, paying up to Kelsey Gronk. I think on a four-game slate is okay, and I think it's probably going to be the optimal lineup is paying up to one of those guys. So I don't think like Higby is a stone lock, especially in cash. And I probably won't play much Higby in, in GPPs just, just because he's like the fifth option in, in the offense at this point. So don't have much interest in Higby. Like I said, you can go there in cash, but I'll, I'll probably fade him in tournaments and Gronk I mean Gronk's a stone lock is he Gronk's a smash expound because I'm looking at Gronk and I'm thinking why would I play this old man when I could just pay 700 and get up to Travis Kelsey I mean Travis Kelsey is like the same age as Gronk give or take give or take what do you mean (laughs) they're the they're the same age they came in the same draft class bruh god damn you right, you right. Yeah, so how are you going to say Gronk's an old man, but not say Kelsey's an old man? Kelsey's like five months younger than, than Gronk. Yeah. Five they months both is old. a long time. They both old. <laughs> <laughs> so. You're right, I didn't realize that. That's crazy. But, yeah, Gronk, I mean, he's projecting as the best value at tight end right now. Obviously, Kelsey is a great play, and. We know that the Chiefs offense has immense upside, especially in that game environment against the Bills. So I think for cash, it makes sense to to get up to Kelsey just for the upside purposes. But 5,800 for Gronk. I, I love him in tournaments this week. We know he's going to get seven, eight targets minimum, I think, with the guys out that we mentioned, Godwin, A.B., Leonard Fournette. You know, he's going to come back, but maybe he's not as healthy as he was. So Gronk is is going to be the number two option, I think, in the passing game. So 5800 for him is a pretty good price, in my opinion. And I definitely have a lot of interest in tournaments with Gronkowski. And he has a ceiling similar to some of these other tight ends in George Kittle, Dawson Knox, Tyler Higbee. But obviously, you're paying a little bit more uh, money for him. All right. 
it's time to get to the fucking main course, man. Because this game, Sunday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, is the game of the week. Buffalo Bills traveling to KC, one and a half point spread favoring the Chiefs, over under at 54 and a half. The Bills absolutely obliterated the Patriots. The Chiefs absolutely obliterated the Steelers. How do you see this game playing out? This could go either way, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it definitely could go either way. The Bills offense, one of the best offenses in the NFL, Josh Allen, is playing at another level right now. And the Bills already have went into Kansas City this year and beat the Chiefs. But my argument against that would be that was a different team than this Chiefs team right now. So I don't don't know. I kind of like the Chiefs in this spot. Patrick Mahomes at home. Andy Reid at home, Arrowhead, one of the more tough places to play. 55 total currently. A lot of the spread bets are coming in on KC. I kind of like the Chiefs in the spot, but the the Bills, the Bills are a tough fade right now, especially on DraftKings. And you know, like you said, this is the main course. This is the game that everybody's going to be targeting on DraftKings, and, and rightfully so. Because outside of the quarterbacks who are rightfully priced up. DraftKings decided to make everybody incredibly cheap. Devin Singletary, who is a true workhorse at this point, is priced below 6K. I think he's an absolute standout play. Jarek McKinnon, interesting. We can talk about it right now. 4,800. Do you think that the workload that we saw from McKinnon last week was sticky? Does it change with the potential return of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Because we can nail who the Chiefs starting running back is going to be. And if we believe they're going to get significant work, it seems like it would be a good spot to attack in this spot against the Bills where we know they're much more susceptible to the run than the pass. Yeah, just in terms of McKinnon and his usage, honestly, I think it isn't sticky. Uh, maybe, Maybe that's just like a hunch. And obviously projections aren't going to say the same as he's projecting as one of the best value running backs on the slate. And obviously rightfully so, because if we could know for 100% certain that McKinnon is the guy now, this price tag is just egregious. But I think if CEH is able to suit up, Daryl Williams will be another week removed from his injury. I think McKinnon is one of the easier fades on this slate, especially if he comes in at high ownership if he comes in as one of the top two highest owned running backs I think that's an easy fade in tournaments just because we, we've seen it before you know a, a Chiefs running back goes off one week and doesn't get used the next week so Jarek McKinnon is my fade of the week in tournaments a uh, hot take maybe not maybe some people agree who knows but the wide receivers and everybody else in this game are just underpriced and they're going to come in as some of the highest owned players on this slate and I don't really see a way how you cannot play these guys at cost I I mean like it's just ridiculous bro like it is because everyone was going to target this game anyways and then to drop the prices makes no sense to me drop the prices after those two teams were the highest scoring teams of the of the wild card round like, what are we doing here? I honestly don't know. Bills put up 47 and the Chiefs put up what? Like 48 or 45? I don't, I don't remember. And 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 then Tyreek Hill gets dropped like $2,000 in price. Diggs gets dropped 1200 Kelsey gets dropped 1200 Singletary stays the same. And he's a great play. <laughs> and, the, and, then the, and then the Bills cheap wide receivers where it seems like all of them get a solid amount of usage, not not a great, crazy amount. They're obviously not going to project well, but Gabe Davis is cheap. 
Uh, Cole Beasley is still 4K, and, and Sanders is 4,100. I mean, Sanders and, and Gabe Davis caught a touchdown last week each. So obviously, the ball's going to get spread around in Buffalo. That's why I think like the, the fade for me on the Buffalo side would be Diggs at the top of the pool, just because this could easily be a game where Dawson Knox scores two touchdowns. Gabe Davis scores a touchdown. He's a touchdown-scoring machine. Cole Beasley. Your goddamn radius. Cole Beasley gets a couple catches. Emmanuel Sanders gets a couple catches. Uh, Devin Singletary gets a lot of work on the ground. Josh Allen runs the ball a ton, you know, limiting his pass attempts potentially. So Diggs for me at ownership and at his price tag would be the fade, but it's still a tough fade for one of the best uh, wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah. If he was priced up a little bit more, I could justify the fade more I mean just at that price tag and in this game environment it's really hard to get away from but I I do feel what you're saying in terms of the ball could go in any direction it does seem like Cole Beasley's been demoted no 30% of snaps last week maybe it's because they didn't need him but they seem to be making a concerted effort to get McKenzie more involved Gabe Davis is still heavily involved despite the return of Emmanuel Sanders they finally realized what they've got in Gabe Beasley seems to be the odd man out yeah I mean McKenzie's better than Cole Beasley, right? I think that that is a fact. Like, McKenzie definitely deserves more work, and maybe he's just the Patriots killer. Um, also possible. But, you, you know, if I'm if I'm being that guy, Cole Beasley was the Bills' leading wide receiver in the AFC Championship game last year against the Chiefs, and, and you can expose the Chiefs in the middle of the field because just in, t- in in terms of their secondary like they're they're really good against outside wide receivers and and just the way Steve Spagnola runs his defense a lot of the targets can get funneled towards the middle of the field which in theory should help Cole Beasley but if his role is diminished and you know he's basically splitting that wide receiver four role with McKenzie now I mean you really can't go there but Cole Beasley is the short slate king so I would be willing to take a shot on him once again, but it's, it's definitely a thin play. It is because the, the thing about Beasley is that he needs volume to get there. You know, it needs to be yeah. one of those games where he's catching four or five passes in, in a drive. And I just don't know if that's going to happen if he's splitting with McKenzie. I mean, for all the reasons you mentioned about how tough the Chiefs are against outside wide receivers and the diminished role for Beasley, I mean, Isaiah McKenzie stands out to me at 3,500. The Bills obviously are trying to get him more involved he adds a different level of explosiveness to that slot that that Beasley just simply doesn't have at this point in his career. McKenzie sub 4K is is probably my favorite punt wide receiver if you're trying to jam in, you know, Cup Adams in some kind of contrarian high priced build. Yeah, I don't mind it. Obviously, it's a long shot dart throw. Yep. Um, don't know if his role is like going to increase that much that'll make him viable, but he is cheap enough to where you could take a shot on him, especially in bill stacks. So it's okay. I personally probably won't go there. I think there are a couple other punt wide receivers that I would be more interested in for, you know, a little bit more money in Lazard. I think I'd be more interested in trying to get up to Julio, although he's, a, he's a, 1200 more 4700 I I think Sanders is is probably better I think Van Jefferson is probably better than McKenzie but it's definitely interesting and I don't I don't know how do you how do you see this game going you didn't you didn't say your like prediction and and the way you think this is going to play out 
I don't know, man. I, I really don't. My heart says Buffalo, but my head says KC. Because it's in Kansas City and, and because Buffalo has been up and down, that's the thing. It's like that game last week was obviously stunning. You know, both of us came on on the, on the podcast and said that we thought the Patriots were the most likely team to upset on the weekend and they got, you know, absolutely demolished. The Bills showed up and, and played, you know, one of the best playoff games any offense has ever played, you know, just touchdown after touchdown, really a perfect game on offense against a respectable defense. But the thing is, is that's always been in their range because with the ups and the downs, you know, the ups and the ceiling is obviously extremely high. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Buffalo not be able to replicate that. I think I have more faith in Kansas City's consistency. I like the over in this game. I I don't think the Bills bust, but I, I just, I don't know, man. I think that, I think that Casey wins this game and it, it, it pains me to say it, but I think it's true. Yeah. I think I'm on the chiefs in this spot. Obviously the bills are going to come in and, and look to get revenge on last year's AFC championship game where they lost by 14 to the chiefs, but betting against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reed at home. I think I saw a stat where they're like four and oh at home and, and they're playoff games in Mahomes career or they or their only loss at home is to Tom Brady so it's definitely possible but they're like five and one together they're they're like six and oh against a spread or some dumb shit at home like this this is a team that plays well at home they have the best quarterback in the NFL in my opinion you know they have one of the best head coaches of all time and Andy Reid they have a defense has been playing really tough and you know this reminds me of I have to go to a college game recently but it reminds me of the Georgia Bama game and in the spread where Bama had blown out Georgia in the regular season the Bills blew out the Chiefs and then Georgia was favored in the championship game and everybody was on Alabama because they're like, oh, Alabama, you know, they're getting two and a half points, whatever, whatever. You know, they beat them in the regular season and Georgia comes out and spanks them. That's what this game reminds me of. And I think Chiefs come out and cover at home. It's one and a half now. That's probably my favorite bet of the week. And this should be the best game. It should be an electric game and can't wait to uh, watch this. Yeah, I'm super stoked to watch this game. I don't know if I even have enough conviction to bet one way or the other. I, I would probably take the over before I took a side. But yeah, man, this is this is going to be a great game. And I can't wait to watch it. Final note, because we didn't mention it. I mean, Josh Allen is the cash game lock, correct? Josh Allen, 7,600. I mean, probably. I think that I think Mahomes is okay too. I mean, you're getting a $300 discount on Mahomes, but the rushing upside with Josh Allen is obviously higher. In this spot at home, you know, I'm probably fading the KC running backs in general, even though, you know, you said that's how you beat Buffalo. I think that if you're Andy Reid, you're not taking the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands a lot in this game. You know, you want to ride mm-hmm. or die with your best players, and that's Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes, and that's what happened last year uh, between these two teams in, in the championship game. You know, Mahomes threw 325 yards, three touchdowns. Hill and Kelsey both had massive games, and I think that's the strategy that they're going to want to implement in this game, especially with the Bills missing Tredavious White on the outside. I, th- I think there are some match matchups to exploit in the secondary, so I think Mahomes is fine if you want to go there and cash, but Josh Allen is going to project a little bit better. Significantly better at this point in the week. Um, all right, let's close out the show with our best bets of the week. Been absolutely loving legal betting in New York, man. I'm, I'm a degenerate. I'm betting on everything. Still been profitable, 
through the first two weeks of this uh, experiment. What are your leans for this week? What are your best bets for the week? Yeah, so I think, obviously, I'm going to bet on every game. Of course. Because <laughs> I'm just a stone D-gen. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite bet, I think, for me would be over 48 and a half in the Rams-Bucks game. I think that you're getting two offenses that are going to throw the ball a ton. There are a lot of playmakers in that game that can speed up the pace of play. I think these are two teams that want to operate pretty fast, in my opinion, especially if the Rams get down. We know that they could come out and throw the ball a ton, and I think points are going to be scored. Obviously, I I love the over in that Bills-Chiefs game, but it has gone up two points since open, so you're not really gaining a lot of value by betting on that total, but I, I, I... I don't mind that, obviously. Like, I, th- I think that's going to go over. But 48.5 looks like a better number to me uh, with two teams that have great offenses and should be a great game. So give me the over in that game. Yep, I will take that as well. I've actually already bet it. I, I mean, we've talked about it. I think that, you know, the Bucks are obviously going to pass the ball a ton, and that's how the Rams, in theory, should play this as well. Should be a lot of pass attempts between two elite teams. We've talked about it all year. You stack the Rams, you stack the Bucks. And I think that they are going to put up a ton of points. 48 and a half is just too low. So I'll take that as well. And I don't know, man, maybe I'm getting caught up in the hype, but I'm all over Cincinnati, man. I I think that just the way Joe Burrow is playing, the matchup with these receivers against Tennessee secondary, I I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to stop them. So I I like Cincy plus three and a half. Yeah, I think think the value is with Cincinnati, especially at three and a half, like, the the half point there is huge it is you know if they lose by a field goal you still win like i said earlier i i don't really have much conviction around this game because tennessee is the more experienced team they have the more experienced quarterback more experienced coach their defense has been playing pretty solid although you know their past defense does lack some talent especially in the secondary i i think this is still a winnable game for the Titans that I think match up pretty well against the Bengals defense that does have some injuries to some key players on the defensive line. Uh, And if they get Derrick Henry back at full health, I think going into Nashville and beating Tennessee, a team that has beaten, you know, Super Bowl contenders this year in the Rams, Bills, and Chiefs, I think it's going to be a tough ask. But I think they could definitely cover this spread. So honestly, I think Titans win, but I think Bengals have a decent shot of covering. That does make sense. And that is going to be it for episode 196 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hoffer. Joey's at Joey Carey and DFS. For more content surrounding the divisional round of the playoffs, you can check out our YouTube channel where we will be live on Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. to revisit the slate and give our updated thoughts as news comes in and as the week develops. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.